It's my privilege to be up here this morning and to share with you this morning. Um, we are in the midst of a series based on the book Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. And uh, we're going to continue that series this morning. I just want to start by uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about how much this book impacted him. And I just want to echo his recommendation for this book. I read it for the first time earlier this year. And even after close to 45 years of following the Lord, this, thing op this book opened my eyes to understanding some things that I only had a vague awareness about beforehand. So I'd highly recommend you get the book and read through it. We're only hitting a few of the chapters and a few of the topics in this series, so there's a lot more in that book uh, that you can uh, take advantage of. Um, <clears throat> today's topic is one of those things that was eye-opening for me as I read this book. But I want to start with a question. So by show of hands, anyone here ever get tired? Okay, almost all the hands, and I suspect those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're too tired to raise them this morning, right? Um, we all get tired. Of course we do. It's part of life. Everybody I talk to, they just say, I'm busy. I am so busy. And on top of that, life can get stressful. We are busy working our jobs, taking care of family, taking care of the house, getting kids ready to go off to school, doing projects around the house. And then we have those projects that stack up that we never get to and they kind of weigh on us. And, and then we listen to the news. I hope you don't listen to the news every day, but we listen to the news. We get the real news. We get sad news. We get tragic news. Sometimes we get fake news. And then we get Trump tweets and hate speech and trolls on Facebook, and it just starts to take a toll on us, and we get tired, we get weighed down. This morning, we're going to talk about something that's going to combat all of that. Now, as a, a foundation here, I think Pastor Mike talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there are four parts to us as a being, as God created us. There's body, there's mind, there's our heart, and there's our soul. And there's a different kind of tired that we can experience in all those aspects of ourself. We can get physically tired. When we work too hard or when we play too hard, we get worn out. Our muscles ache, and we feel like, I don't want to do anymore. I can't do anymore. I remember last, last uh, summer, uh, a year ago, my kids and I climbed Mount St. Helens. This was an adventure that we, we wanted to accomplish. And as we were coming back down off the mountain, we'd stop every so often to rest. And I'd realize as I'm standing there resting, my legs are involuntarily shaking because they were so tired. I knew I had pushed myself kind of to my limits. We still had two miles to go on the trail to get to our car. So we had to push through it, and we do that sometimes. We push through our physical tiredness, but that can take a toll. That can have ramifications. If we push ourselves beyond our physical limits, we can get sick, we can get injured. There are negative consequences to pushing beyond our physical limits. 
for me, after the St. Helens climb, I walked around like a really old man for about three or four days because my legs were so sore. I know some of you are saying I am an old man, and that's true, but I, I was really feeling it for several days. <clears throat> Besides physically tired, we can get mentally tired too. We get mentally tired when we overwork our thinkers. And that happens when we have too much to deal with. Too much information to digest, too many decisions to make, and that all gets heaped upon us in a short amount of time. We get to the point where we don't even know what the next step is or what we should do next to work our way through this. Pushing through when we're mentally tired often leads to poor decisions and bad choices. When you're mentally exhausted, you, know, you need to know it's important to take a step back from those things that are weighing on you and get a fresh perspective on them. Otherwise, you'll start making those bad choices, those bad decisions. We can also get emotionally tired. We get emotionally worn out. You know those times when there's just too much family drama going on around us, or there's friends who are always in a world of hurt and in need, and sometimes it just gets to be too much, and we just don't want to deal with it anymore. But if we don't, if we press on, we risk having some sort of emotional explosion that ends up damaging relationship. And if we hold it in, then we end up potentially getting sick or, or having some sort of a breakdown. There's also a soul tired. A soul tired is something we don't really recognize as readily as these other tireds. I suspect you kind of identified with all the things I've talked about so far. But soul tired, we don't necessarily talk about it or understand it as much. But soul tired happens when our soul is malnourished and fatigued. And when our soul is tired, our connection to God is breaking up. It's like that old uh, cell phone commercial. It's not on anymore. In fact, the guy who did it switched to another cell company now. But he used to get on there and say, can you hear me now? And that's what it's like when your soul is tired and you're trying to talk to God. It's like, God, can you hear me now? Our ability to discern his will for us and finding peace with him are difficult when our souls are not rested. Pastor Mike talked about how the soul is one of the most important parts of our being. It's the piece of us that integrates body, mind, and heart and keeps us connected to God. And a healthy soul is absolutely critical <clears throat> to the wellness in all the areas of our life. There's a quote that Ortberg has in his book, and I think Pastor Mike shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. It says, if your soul is healthy, no external circumstances can destroy your life. But if your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstances can redeem your life. A healthy soul is the key to a healthy life, a life that can combat all those tireds that we've talked about. It really, it really is, I think, God-ordained that I'm speaking on this topic. 
this was the part of the series that we were in when uh, my number came up to speak for Pastor Mike because I need this. I needed this message probably as much or more than all of you because I have been finding lately that I'm exhibiting the symptoms of being tired. I'm getting impatient. I'm not wanting to do the things that I need to do. And, uh, but this book has helped me learn the secret of how to move through those things, to get past that and deal with life uh, in a much uh, more peaceful way because of finding the way to rest my soul. Now, this is going to kind of start sounding like an infomercial. If you just keep listening to me, folks, by the end of this sermon, you will have the secret to living life in a healthy, well-rested, and peaceful way. But I promise, there's no 1995 offer at the end of this that you have to send in and, and get those secrets. We're going to talk about it free of charge this morning. I want to provide the antidote to tired. And that antidote is soul rest. A well-rested soul <clears throat> will enable you to stay connected to God through all the physical, emotional, and mental stresses that you encounter. And it will, to a great degree, provide peace. And it gives you the ability to walk through them without the feeling of fatigue, of not knowing what to do or wanting to give up. It doesn't mean you're not going to experience those things. You will still get tired. I'm not promising you will never get tired again. But what I am saying is a well-rested soul will help you deal with those times of tired so much better, with more grace, more wisdom, and more energy. Now, when we think of rest, we tend to think of not doing anything, just sitting, and that can be part of it. Physically, that might be what we need. Some people even think of rest as a waste of time. I'm not accomplishing anything. But in fact, soul rest is an active sort of thing. Even when you appear to be doing nothing, you are connecting your soul to God, your energy source. I want to talk about two aspects of soul rest this morning. And the first is soul rest by connecting to God. And I want to start with our first passage this morning, reading out of Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Familiar story, I'm sure, to, to all of you. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We can identify with Martha when we have those piles of to-dos that we're trying to work our way through. We have many things that we're worried about because we have to get them done. But Mary chose to take the opportunity 
to connect to the Lord, to sit at his feet and just soak in his words. You know, sometimes, um, I, I know some of you know that I preach at Willow Gardens Retirement uh, Community twice a month. And right now we're going through a series uh, in which I'm, I'm uh, teaching from Jesus' parables. And whenever I read one of his parables, I imagine myself sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary did and just listen to him and just try and soak in those words. And it's like he's teaching me directly. And it's a cool connection that happens. <clears throat> Connecting to God is a little bit like uh, having an electric car. Any electric car owners? Nobody here. But you know what you have to do with an electric car every night? you got to plug it in. And if you fail to do that for a few nights, pretty soon your, use, your electric car is useless. And that's what happens to us if we fail to connect to our God. Now, you've probably had this experience where you, you have a, a project or a task or something you need to do, and you're stressed about it because it's complicated. You're not sure you have enough time to get it all done and you're working madly at it, trying to get it done. And you just keep pushing forward, and you don't know if I'm going to get there. I don't know if I'm going to get to the end of this in time and get it done well, but I'm going to keep trying. The thing that is most helpful in those circumstances often is to take a step back and to take a break, get a little, take a deep breath, and think about this project or this task, and how is it going to get done best? And make a plan, and then attack it. And you find out sometimes when you just take that moment away from it, and you come back to it, it goes so much more smoothly, and you get it done more quickly than you thought you could. That is what soul rest is like, taking a break for a moment to connect to God. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and one of those habits that he had in his book is called sharpening the saw. It's, the idea of it is that if you prepare yourself ahead of time, you prepare your tools, you prepare others before diving into a task or a project. And there's a little story that I've heard. I don't think it comes from the book, but I think uh, I heard a speaker that used this story to explain the concept of sharpening the saw. It's a story about... Two loggers, Sven and Jack. Sven sounds like a good logger name, right? These guys were hardy, strong. They were the best loggers on the crew. But Jack was pretty sure he was the best. So one day he challenged Sven, let's see who can uh, saw the most trees in one day. Uh, <clears throat> Sven was pretty sure of himself. He said, yeah, I accept that challenge. What are the rules? What's, what's the deal? And so the rules were simple. Each of them would get one saw, and they would see how many trees they could cut in one day. And the winner would get a gourmet lunch prepared by the other for a whole week. So he'd have to cook for the other. Well, on the day of the competition, the whistle blew, and the competition started and Jack picks up his saw and right away gets to work sawing trees and is working away madly. But Sven decides to do something a little different. He takes his saw and he goes down and he sits up next to a, to a stump with his sharpening kit. 
And he starts working on sharpening the hundreds of serrated edges on his saw and getting them sharp. Well, some of the other loggers saw this, and they started trash-talking Sven and, and taunting him. They said, what are you doing? Why are you wasting so much time? I hope, we sure hope you like wearing that chef's hat for a whole week. But Sven knew better. He knew if he took this time that looks like wasted time, it was going to translate into more effective tree cutting. So when Sven finally starts, Jack's already sawed 10 trees, and he's way ahead of him. But he's also getting tired, because he's working with a dull saw, and he's starting to get winded, and he's starting to wear out. Sven starts cutting trees, and his razor-sharp saw is just felling them left and right with very little effort. And by early afternoon, Jack had given up. He was all bent over, and he was exhausted, and he couldn't do any more. And Sven just keeps going well into the evening. And of course, by the end of the day, Sven easily won the contest. And he did so because he sharpened his saw. That's what connecting to God is like. We will often say, I don't have time to just sit down and spend some time in the Word. Or I don't have time to have a concentrated prayer moment with the Lord. I don't have time just to sit at the Lord's feet like Mary did and listen to the words of Jesus. We're just too busy. We're just too busy. But if we take that time, if we sharpen our soul saw, if you will, our to-do list will go much more efficiently if we take the time to take care of ourselves. Soul rest involves taking the time to connect to God through his word and through prayer. And we need to realize that it's not wasted time. It's an important connection to our energy source. It's an important connection that will help us manage the rest of our life better. Now, connecting to God doesn't just mean doesn't just happen when we pray or when we read. For, for people, it happens in different ways. <clears throat> Sometimes, for some people, it's just playing some worship music in the car. For others, they see God in other people, and so they feel closest to God when they're nurturing relationships with others. For, for others, it's just having some alone time, some quiet time. Everybody has their own way of getting close to the Lord. For me, it's being out in his creation. I love getting out to the different aspects of what the Lord has created. I love being out at the ocean. I brought some of my pictures. You know I do photography as a hobby. Uh, so I brought some of my pictures. I love being out at the ocean and experiencing the power of the waves or just a peaceful sunset over the ocean. I love watching the animals that he's created and just seeing how they behave, seeing how they are well taken care of, how they have instincts to, to live their life the way God planned it. I also love just going up into the mountains and looking at those peaks and seeing their majesty and their grandeur. And I also sometimes just like to be out at night and look up into the stars 
and just look into that vast universe that seems endless. And at, at those times, I feel so small, but I still know in those moments that God knows right where I'm at, and I know that he loves me. I get in those environments, and I see God's handiwork, and I appreciate his incredible creativity, and I appreciate and marvel at how everything works together in his creation. And in my deepest moments with him in nature, I remember he created all this for me. He created all this for us to enjoy and to use. And I feel most loved and most connected to God at those times. How do you connect with God? How does it work for you? Find the way that you can get close to God and take time to do that. Soul rest by connecting to God is an investment for life. It is important, just like feeding our bodies or getting enough sleep. At times it may seem like you're wasting time, not accomplishing anything, but trust me, you are accomplishing the most important thing. You are accomplishing the sharpening of your soul. Your soul gets rested when it gets connected to God. And you're connecting to our creator, the source of your life, the soul energy, to live your life to the fullest. I need to acknowledge another reality here, though. We do sometimes get legitimately busy. And sometimes our best laid plans to have some time set aside for prayer or for seeking the Lord in the word or getting out to enjoy creation for an afternoon or whatever it is that works for you, sometimes those plans get interrupted. And that's okay. Because sometimes God allows or leads us into a time of busyness for some purpose. Whether it is to teach you or to use you, he will allow these busy things to come into our life. But the cool thing is we can find soul rest even in the midst of doing life, even in the midst of our busyness. See, if our souls are weary and we get busy, we miss the connection to God and to his purposes. And we miss the connection to others and even to ourselves. And our stress level starts to grow and our tired meter starts going into the danger zone. That needle gets pegged all the way over into the red. But you can be busy and still experience that connection to God if you take the time to see God in everything you do. I want to read another story out of Scripture, out of Mark. A story, again, familiar story to you about the disciples and about uh, Jesus calling them away to rest, but we'll see what happens. <clears throat> the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. See, Jesus had just sent them out to do work in the villages, and they had just come back. So they had already had a day of, of working and ministering and serving people. Then because so many people were coming and going, <clears throat> that they didn't even have a chance to get something to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place. They said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. At the beginning of that story, we see Jesus recognized the need for rest. He knew his disciples had been busy all day. And he said, let's get away and let's rest. But what happened? The crowd came. Rest was going to have to wait. That's what happens to us, isn't it? When we think we've got a moment to spare, to spend some time with the Lord, and it gets interrupted. The phone call comes from that family member that needs something, or the washing machine breaks, or the car breaks down and we have to take care of it. Things come up, and we get interrupted. <clears throat> for, the, for the disciples, it was the crowd that came, realizing it was still time for them to serve. What do you think, you know, I often think about what do you think the disciples were thinking at that point? Jesus said, promise, and let's go away, let's rest. And we get there, and all these people are there. And, and I can just imagine they were thinking, this was supposed to be our time. Just us and Jesus. He was going to teach us amazing things, and we were going to just hang out and rest with him. If they did have that grumpy response, I imagine it didn't last very long. <clears throat> because Jesus connected him, connected them to his purpose to serve the people. Serving for the disciples meant being connected to God's purpose, and that sustained them through it. And they witnessed the miraculous power of the Lord in the process. That can happen for us too. Even in the mundane things, God can use it either to teach us or to use us. The key to soul rest in the midst of life is something that Ortberg calls in his book the cycle of grace. <clears throat> and the cycle of grace starts with acceptance. Knowing that you are accepted by God. See, Jesus' disciples, they had been working with him for a long time by this point, and they knew that they were accepted by him. They knew they were co-workers with him. 
They knew they were serving with him. They, they, I don't think they had a problem with acceptance at this point. But for us, we struggle with acceptance sometimes. We struggle with believing that God loves me. We grow up with hurts. And even as adults, we experience betrayals or hurts that come by the hands of other people. And we start thinking, we're not worthy to be loved. We're not worthy that anyone would care for us. And it's, it's a struggle to feel accepted by God because that's, that feeling uh, surrounds us and overtakes us. But there's just really one thing you need to remember. If you struggle with acceptance by the Lord, if you, if you, don't, or if you aren't confident that the Lord accepts you just as who you are, all you need to remember is Romans 5.8 that says, <clears throat> but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's acceptance of us is not dependent on anything we do. He loves us because he loves us. Because he loves us. Think about what Jesus endured during his walk on earth. He was rejected. He was attacked. He was plotted against. And eventually, he was nailed on a cross under false accusations. But he was sustained by the reality that he was completely accepted by his father. And so are we. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how we've been hurt. It doesn't matter how other people treat us. God loves us anyway to the point of his sending his son for us. If that's a struggle for you, if you struggle with acceptance, I just encourage you to go back to the word of God and just read and see how much he loves you. It's all through his word. But remember Romans 5.8 above all. <clears throat> the next step in the cycle of grace is sustenance. This refers to the sustaining practices that you incorporate in your life to keep your soul replenished and healthy. This is really the connecting to God that we talked about already this morning. <clears throat> These are the regular habits that you have that keeps your soul healthy and keeps you strong. The disciples were with the Lord daily and immersed in his teaching, hearing his prayers. They fed off of his words, and they longed for time with him. That sustained them through all of their serving and beyond. They could face the demands of life because of those sustaining habits. Jesus himself had sustaining habits. We have no better example than his own life. He prayed. He had a close circle of friends. He fed his mind with scripture. He enjoyed creation. He took long walks. He welcomed little children and he hugged them. He even enjoyed partying with non-religious types. This was all part of his sustaining habits. See, a lot of us, sometimes we think that 
a spiritual practice is some sort of obligation and it can feel draining. But a spiritual practice is anything that connects us to God's grace and his energy and his joy. It could be anything if we do it with Jesus. You know, when I go out into creation, I always consciously invite Jesus along and I'm consciously aware that he's there with me. It's like I've invited a buddy along. It seems a little corny perhaps, but it reminds me that he's with me and it connects me. Figure out what your sustaining practices are and maybe explore some new ones and take Jesus with you as you do them. The next step in the cycle of grace is significance. The desire to make a difference beyond ourselves. Think about the understanding Jesus had about the significance of his own life. You see it in his own statements. How many times did he declare something about himself in his I am statements? He said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. And many others. He knew his life was important for others. But Jesus didn't stop there. He recognized the significance of the life of his disciples and by extension, all of us who would follow after them. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. You are valuable, more valuable than the birds of the air. You are the branches that abide in me. He said a lot about us that tells us we are important to his purposes. In the midst of life, you can look for the opportunities to do something significant for the Lord. Even when the car breaks down or the washer's broken and you have to deal with that, you have an opportunity to connect with other people and listen to them and find out their story and maybe, maybe touch them for the Lord. Now, you might think, if I'm supposed to have a life of significance, then I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to have a lot to do because the Lord expects so much. But, you know, he'll only give you what you can handle. <clears throat> but there's another truth here. Uh, Ortberg, in his book, uh, talked about what he learned from his mentor, Dallas Willard, about busyness. Dallas told him, there is a world of difference between being busy and being hurried. Being busy is an outward condition. It means you have a lot on your to-do list. And that's not necessarily bad, but being hurried is an inner condition. It's a condition of the soul. It means that my busyness makes me so preoccupied, preoccupied with myself and my life that I'm unable to be fully present with God, to be fully present with others, and to be aware of my God-given purpose in that moment. Busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. Being significant doesn't mean being busy to the point of an inner hurried condition. It means being present with God, present in the moment that he ordains, and present in the plans he has for you. And it also means 
being mindful to take those breaks, to step away, do those sustaining practices that keep you connected to God. The last cycle, the last step in the cycle of grace is achievement. Achievement, you can look at as the bearing of fruit. And that's a hard one for us sometimes because sometimes we don't get to see the fruit that's been born by our actions. We may talk with somebody and we may share our experience with the Lord and they receive it and, and don't respond. We may never know that years later that conversation comes back to them and bears fruit in their life. But achievement, we need to recognize, is the responsibility of God. We do what he calls us to do, and what is achieved is a result of the working of his spirit and of his power. The disciples got to see the fruit in that story we read right away. They saw 5,000 men fed with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. but sometimes we don't get to see it right away. We just have to trust God that it will happen. I don't want us to get stuck, though, in that resting in achievement, knowing that, hey, we accomplished something, it was significant, and maybe we get the blessing of seeing the fruit that was born from it. We don't stop there. This is a cycle that actually repeats over and over and over through our lives. Hopefully we don't have to spend a lot of time in acceptance over and over again. But sometimes something happens and we struggle again anew with that concept that we're accepted by God. So if that happens, go back to the truths of the scripture and see how God loves you. The sustaining practices require discipline. It's something that is ongoing. It's something you practice regularly in your life. And the step of significance, it actually might change over the course of your life. You may start out and know, this is what God has for me to do. And a few years later, you realize, I think this season is coming to an end and I've got something new to do. You follow the Lord into that step of significance, whatever it may be. This morning, we all easily and quickly confess that we get tired. Tired is normal. It's part of life. But the effects of tired, the negative effects of tired, are countered with a well-rested and well-taken-care-of soul. The crises and the stresses of life, the physical boundaries we sometimes push, they're all better handled when we take good care of our soul. We can walk through life with more grace and more peace if we've taken care of our soul. What I want to do this morning, because we all acknowledge that we get tired and we all get stressed and we all deal with some of the, the issues that come up from those, those tireds that we talked about. What I want to do this morning is just pray for us, praying for myself and praying for you as well. So if we could stand together. Father God, I just want to start this morning uh, acknowledging how much you love us.
Lord, sometimes it's beyond our own belief. Sometimes it's hard for us to accept and to realize, but we are thankful beyond belief for your love, for how you have shown us that love through your son and through our daily walk with you, the provisions that you provide, the way that you guide and lead us. We thank you for how you show us that you love us. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will understand how we should take the time to sharpen our saws, to take the time to connect with you, to take the time to feed our soul, to rest it in you, to soak you in and connect with your purposes so that we can walk this life the way you intended, that we can walk through the stresses that we encounter with peace and with grace. I pray that you would teach us all how to take those moments and not feel guilty about it, not feel guilty about taking time out from all the things we have to accomplish to sit at your feet and listen to your words. We worry about so many things. We stress about things that we sometimes feel like we have no control over. But you, Lord, are bigger than all of those things. You, Lord, can guide us through each and every trial we face. And Lord, you can bring about good out of any circumstance because you've promised you would. Lord, I pray that we find the blessings of soul rest. I pray, Lord, that we find that connection, the way to connect with you that works for us, the way that gets us knowing you in deeper and deeper ways, that we can walk in the ways that you have for us. Lord, I pray this coming week, we all find those moments that we can just take that moment, that time to sit back and know you, to connect to you, to see your purposes and the things that we deal with each and every day, and to see you at work, to see you accomplishing your purposes in us and through us. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, walk us out of this room today renewed, with your energy, with your joy, with your grace. We thank you in that powerful name of Jesus. Amen.